Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with founder of From the Floor to the Door, Michelle Shakinu. She was married for many years and was a stay-at-home mom for two children. In 2015, she realized that her husband was addicted to drugs. In this time, she had experienced financial, emotional, and sexual abuse from him. Michelle spent many nights crying on the floor until one night she saved her life and ran for the door. Since then, she has been healing herself with therapy and other techniques. Enjoy this interview. I have to protect my anonymity, if that's all. Oh, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, thanks. Okay, great. Yeah, it's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out today. Of course, absolutely. Thank you for rescheduling. Yeah, you bet. So before Mm -hmm. we get into your life and your work, I want to know, how did you survive COVID? That was quite a time period for all of us. How did you get through it? Um, Well, I was... I'm a healthcare worker, so that was a little challenging for me. Um, what I did as far as like mentally, how did I survive? However, that manifests itself. Okay. Yeah, we all had it. It, it hit us in every possible yeah. visceral way. Yeah. Right. Well, I knew it was coming because in the world that I was working in, we knew things were happening. Um, and we were kind of preparing ourselves for it. And of course, nobody knew what was going to happen next and how it would blow up, but we had a little bit of an idea. Um, so slowly we were mentally preparing for that. And then of course we were the first people that they shut down. And so what I did was I hunkered down in my home and every day when the anxiety came on, I would go outside and I walked about four times a day and I started riding my bike and I put all of that anxiety into physical fitness and um, tried to really stay mindful of the environment around me and the present moment and um, making sure that my kids were safe and healthy and my family also. And so I did a lot of that um, going back was actually the hardest part because I went back in the in the midst of it being an epidemic or a pandemic, and that was actually really scary. So, um, and I wrote a lot, a lot. So that's how I survived it. So let's get to kind of the core and essence of what you do for a living. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third grade students, and one of them looks mm-hmm. up and says, "Hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child?" Well, I would love to answer the child fully, but again, because I need to protect my anonymity um, and my safety, I can't fully say, but I'm a healthcare worker, so I put on a uniform and I work with patients and um, I take care of their physical, their mental, their dental health, and um, I make sure that they are taking care of themselves. I teach them how to do that. And I see them frequently throughout the year. So without letting too much out, Mm -hmm. what is the exact nature of you trying to lay low and keep your, you know, stay in an anonymous Mm -hmm. place? Well, unfortunately, I'm still dealing with my ex-husband and more. And um, it's a dangerous situation for myself. It's a dangerous situation for my children. Um, I'm learning. And because of that, as of right now, I have to keep myself a little hidden. 
And it's pretty sad because I shouldn't have to, but unfortunately yeah. right now I do. I understand. So Thank you. talk to me a little bit about when you were in that 10 to 12 year old range as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a veterinarian. No okay. question about it. Well, and you're in a capacity of helping people now. So let's go back Correct. to where you were born and raised and how some mm-hmm. of these seeds of being a caregiver and helping others mm-hmm. got into you. Well, I was raised by a caregiver, somebody who's also in the medical profession, um, whereas my father was like that. My mother supported him in the office, and we all worked in that, and they were very philanthropic, and they still are. And so I was raised where we were, our family, and then the families around us were you know, always looking to help other people, whether it was somebody local or you know, around the world and within our community or not. And so that being the mindset of what I was raised in also naturally, I just have that in me. I just do. I always, I just feel like I grew up with a bit of empathy um, that really lies, lies deep within me. So for somebody that has to draw strength from a variety of sources, who has been kind of a hero for you in your life? Who's been what? I'm sorry, I broke up a little. Who has been a hero for you in your life? Mm. Um, I think one of my biggest, well, actually my two heroes are my children. Uh, my son, especially, he's um, a special needs kid. I will always see him as a kid, even though he's in his 20s. Um, he was born with some abilities, disabilities, we call it. And that kind of grew as he got older, uh, manifested themselves differently and more severely as he got older. Um, Because with anxiety, they kind of, the anxiety feeds into it. And um, no matter what, though, he has really surpassed everyone's expectations. Um, He's gone through, you know, being bullied and, having the academic issues and all of that. But in his 20s, he is very determined and he gets up every day and he goes to work and he's really pushed himself through a lot of emotional and physical challenge that a lot of people wouldn't. So he's definitely my superhero. And it's funny because he once said, and I had it written on his wall, there's a superhero in all of us. And he said that when he was 13. And I just think that that's so beautiful. Um, so he's one of them. My other one is my other child who was born with um, her own issues. And she's on the other side of the spectrum, but um, had, you know, at 10 years old, starting developing really debilitating physical issues and also pushed herself through it and also went through bullying and even still had more physical issues that came out as she got older and has pushed herself through all of the emotional stuff that she went through and the physical stuff that she went through. So, but other than that, Tina Turner is like it for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you Interesting. know, yeah. yeah. 
No, I get it. I, yeah. I actually, my answer would be the same. My son, Miles, mm-hmm. is 18 and he's mm-hmm. definitely my hero. He's, yeah. he's on the spectrum. He's got yeah. special needs. He has a long arm on his 15th chromosome and he has to work mm-hmm. extra, extra hard to uh, get to places that, you know, a lot of people just have. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and then he has a stepsister that's on the other side. She's, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I, I understand that juxtaposition. Yeah. So yeah. It's and a, it's a little cha- It's challenging as a parent because, yeah. I mean, there, there might be some similarities and, um, you know, we really have to make the distinction between parenting one child versus the other. And that could be true of any neurotypical child, but it's more pronounced when you have children on whatever spectrum they're on. And even if it's just, you know, even if it's a physical ailment, you just, you know, you, it, it really is the best example of, you know, when you see a child with autism, you see one child with autism, it, nothing looks the same. And the same thing goes for any child. It's just more pronounced. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's. It, I think the big thing for being a parent in this is the level of loneliness. I know that's been my mm-hmm. thing. Absolutely. Like, just feeling absolutely alone, even with those around you that right. say they understand or want to understand. There's mm-hmm. just no way. Yeah. Right. it's. Well, I'm here. So reach out anytime you need it because I get it. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I get it. No, I get, I get it. it. And, and yeah, and so I started going to organizations when my oldest was young and for support. And so I really got myself involved in a lot of organizations and advocating. And I was very active in the schools because I had to be number one. And you know, I've I created a team of doctors and teachers and. Um, I had to fight the school board and, you know, it was a full time job and, you know, sadly I had to do that with both of them, but um, I I completely understand the isolated feeling that you get because the ones around you, you know, the parents, the kids, like they don't understand how a birthday party or a soccer game is just not in your wheelhouse necessarily. So yeah, I had to get to that point with gatherings where it was like, no one would understand, but it's like, right. I tried for years and years and years to just go along like the nuclear kind of existence, but it's just hard. And it's hard because of what it does to your child. And, and, and if they have sensory issues and they don't get it and they think, Oh, well, you know, it's no big deal. It's like, that's the big thing. Oh, it's no big deal. We understand. No, you don't. You have no idea. No, and, you have no and, idea. No, yeah, and you don't. Right. You don't even want to come across as being. I, I, I tend to be overly nice. It may be yeah, one of the vices, absolutely. but it's still, yep. the older I've gotten, I've literally gotten to a point, and I'm 50 now, where it's like, yeah, no, that's it. That's the end of yeah. the story. Right. Exactly. And you don't need to know anything. And yep. so, yeah, I get it. I mean, my my child, I'm about to launch her off to college in the fall, and you know, she walks around with these, you know, noise canceling headphones and or AirPods in her ears because she's developed. Um, her sensory issues, which we had no idea what that was, you know, 12, 15 years ago, but, and she didn't know, you know, but like, she hates to get wet. She can't stand noises. She says she could hear every single noise. You know, we go to a movie at the theater. She needs to wear special headsets so that she could really focus and hone in on that. Um, So, you know, but nobody would understand that unless they're involved in it. Yeah, for sure. So, If you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be? Um, It's funny. I know it's so cliche, but um, God, there's so many people. But I was talking about this the other day on a show, and I think Oprah would be one of the first. Um, 
because not only is she pretty fantastic and her story is fantastic, but she's met everybody that one of us would have wanted to meet. And that's why I love her show and her podcast is because if you want to, you know, talk to this person, this author or this actor or this composer or this scientist or this doctor, she's done it. So that's why I like um, listening to her and seeing her guests. But more so is because I have a dream of perhaps getting um, a house with land for women and children and men and animals that all need rescuing for whatever reason. And, you know, there's so much that goes into that and she's done it with her school. And, um, and I remember her saying once that she was so focused on what, excuse me, what the, the actual foundation of the school looked like that she didn't realize that she had to focus on these other things. And, you know, I think someone who's, who's done it, you know, going from A to Z, so to speak, could, could sit down and teach me that. So it would be for that more than anything. Excuse me. So, you know, we all have motivations that drive us through our days. What is the motivator for you? What is the ultimate motivation for you to be who you are, to help others and to get through the day? Um, I've been through hell and back again, and I've been to dark places. I was taken to dark places. I didn't know existed. And all the while, I was still raising my two special needs children. And somehow I survived. And I didn't, you know, I realized I survived for a reason. And the reason is because everyone has some sort of a dark spot in their head or in their life. And there's a gradient, just like a spectrum of, of you know, autism. There's a spectrum of trauma. And I don't want anyone to feel alone when they're in that situation or they're trying to get out of it or they're come, they've come out of it. And my goal is to have, um, to let people know that there is a support system out there. And even if it's just me, um, and, and I, I just, I know I survived for that. And so that gets me up every day. So, you know, you've gone through quite a bit in your life, and I'm curious, if you were to have a dream tonight, run into a 20-year-old version of yourself, and you could give that mm-hmm. version of you a piece of advice based mm-hmm. on the life you've led, the wisdom you've gained, what would you tell your younger version? It's all going to be okay. Um, you're more powerful than you realize. What you look like is not as important as who you are inside. And... The infamous, you know, Tony Robbins slogan, all you need is within you now. <clears throat> you know, the one thing, too, that always pulls us through and it happened in COVID, especially was mm-hmm. that people had access to arts, whether it was TV, film, visual arts, books. What was the art for you growing up, a book or something that really motivated you or, you know, you might return to now? Well, I read a lot. Um, my daughter and I tend to read three books at a time. Um I, my father and I used to sit down and he would play the piano and I would sing. Um, I took piano lessons, I took guitar lessons, singing lessons, all of that. There was always music going on in the house. Um, So that's got me through. Actually, during COVID, um, I realized that right brain was was really, I, I started to enhance it. I went back to that because my left brain, the science, the healthcare, I couldn't do. 
Um, and I really didn't want to approach all of that. I started, I stopped listening to the COVID stuff because I knew that that wouldn't help me any with the anxiety. So I went to the right side. So I started doing more things that were creative. Um, and, and that really helped me. Music was huge for me throughout this entire, you know, episode that I had, so to speak, um, with what I went through. And music has always been music. Musical theater is huge in my home. My daughter did that for many, many years. And um, we just went to our last show in our 10 year span um, because we've been going every month for 10 years. And um, we just I just realized, like, that's just the biggest that's just the biggest thing that's that's been for me as as a family. And I've gotten that from my family of origin, from my parents. I was actually named after the song, Michelle. Oh, cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. So of all of the people that you've helped and worked with in your life, what's been, what's been one of the best success stories? I would say one of the best success stories is there's a few of them. But there was one gal that I went to the hospital with one night. She had called me and she has three children and her husband um, had hurt her and threatened her and threatened her children. And she ended up in the hospital and I met her there. And unfortunately, um, you know, people don't take um, others seriously when they're in that state of anxiety or, um, and this could happen even in children in school or, you know, being bullied is nobody really listens because all they see is, is somebody who may be the out of their own character and a heightened, um, a heightened sense of, of who they are in any way. So, um, I advocated for her in the hospital and then I spoke to the police officer for her and he didn't even believe her because of how she was acting. And so I spoke with him and I was able to do that. And then eventually we got her out and on her own with her three kids. And, you know, there's, and she's very religious and, you know, we could talk about divine intervention or whatever it is, but all the stars aligned and it worked out and, and we still stay in touch and she's doing really well and her kids are doing great. And she got the support that she needed because there's a lot of support out there. And that's one of my very proud moments, but I don't see it as my doing. I see it as somebody's, you know, it's being worked through me. So everyone out there has a perception of you, your family, your friends, clients, Mm -hmm. colleagues, but ultimately you lead the march. What's your perception Mm -hmm. of you? Who do you think you are? Well, I know who I am. There's no question about it. Um, I'm, I'm pure love. I'm pure love and giving and, you know, I was created, we all were, but I, I, I know what I was created for. Um, I was told by one of my friends who's you've actually interviewed, I believe, um, you know, it took over 4,000 people to create me as it did you, as it did the people that are listening. And in that regard, I know what I was created for um, and it's, it's to be love and to give love and that's it. 
And that's what I do every day, whether it's my own kids, my family, the stranger on the street, um, you know, the guy collecting the garbage to wish him a happy day, you know, to give him a cold bottle of water because it's hot outside. And, and that's it. Cause my goal is to put a smile on someone's face and let them know that they're seen, that they're valued and that they're loved. That's who I am. So I'm curious, you know, you're on a platform that, well, I guess I'm going to preface this with this. You know, I've always okay. said that podcasting tends to be one of the best modern avenues mm-hmm. of therapy for all of us, because in yeah, this absolutely. situation, we get right. to understand each other and put our stories out there. But I'm curious for you sure. as someone that technically wants to stay at a place where you're not going to be revealed, but you still want to get your story out. How do you mm-hmm. quantify what you're doing as far as getting publicity, you know, encourage and that mm-hmm. fine line? What's your what's your what's your philosophy and methodology of doing this for someone that doesn't necessarily want to be found? Um, it's a challenge. It really is. And um, I'm working that out. Um, so I can speak with someone because a lot of people, you know, this, you know, the story is my story is domestic violence and being sex trafficked um, and surviving that. And having gone through that, I realize I can do anything. So my goal is to help people in, in whatever capacity that I can at the moment. Um, perhaps one day I will come out. That's my goal, but I need to make sure that it's safe for myself and for my kids. So if that means somebody going on my website and um, reaching out to me and my reaching back out to them in this regard, I can speak to them as long as I want to. I can um, meet up with them. I can give them what I went through and how I got through that and just be an ear and whatever it needs. So, you know, it's at the moment, this is where I'm at. And I wasn't, I wasn't going to pause this because um, I have to stay a secret. I wasn't going to do that. And and I think that's great. I think there's a lot of courage that goes into that. I think that the, the being a human being and marching on and going through difficult mm-hmm. things, which we all have, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know that there's been a number of things that, um, that we've all had to go through and that have mm-hmm. transpired that we have Absolutely. to rise above. So I guess the next most logical question to this is to continue that conversation with anyone that hears this, that wants to reach mm-hmm. out to you, where mm-hmm. can they go? How can they get in touch? What's the best way? So going onto my website is the best way it's from the floor to the door.com and they can reach out to me there. They can contact me on there. Um, I also have a blog, so I've been writing um, pieces that will be in a book one day. I actually have two books that I'm working on and um, you know, that's the best, that's the best way to stay in contact. And, you know, not only for, I, I said it the other day, not only for them to reach out to me so I can reach out to them and, and it doesn't matter what hour, cause I know what it feels like at two o'clock in the morning and you wake up and you're by yourself and you feel alone or, you know, you have anxiety about things. I know what that feels like and I've been there. So I know how to get through it also, but it's also to keep me accountable and to keep me encouraged as well, because we as human beings need that. We need that connection. And um, like we talked about, it can be very isolating. And, you know, it really can. Although this world is so, so big now. And I think our kids, the younger generation, has shown us how big it is, how they can connect to people. 
you know, and I, that's what I love about social media. The other side of it, we all know is just not great, but they can reach out to me on my website. So Michelle, thank you for opening up. Thanks for taking time out and putting your story out there and connecting. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And I appreciate you. Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.